0: You know, we started a series last, well, a few weeks ago, on the end times. And I really felt a stirring from the Lord to put that aside for this week. Next week is going to be a week of celebration, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be hearing testimonies. You want to bring your friends, listen. Next Sunday morning, there will be people in this church who haven't talked to anybody, who haven't encountered anybody, who haven't talked to an evangelist. There will be people in this room next Sunday morning that are ready to be saved. Let me tell you why, because this is what we have found, is that many times where we sow, we don't reap. I know that that doesn't sound right, but listen. We have done many outreaches and many things and we've sowed over here, and God has had us reap over here. It's, it's, it's really interesting. See, it's not up to us who God brings. It's up to us to do the work of evangelists to sow the seed. Amen? And then wherever God wants to reap the harvest for us, that's where he does. And so we have people that, that are here today. We have people in our church today that were sown into the harvest because we sowed somewhere else. We were faithful. And so next Sunday morning is going to be exciting. people are going to get saved, we're going to baptize people live on Sunday morning. And it's hard to baptize people in water over the Internet. Um, I don't know if anybody's tried it yet. I, I don't. I, but I love you so much. Get here. Wear a mask. Do whatever you can to get here next Sunday morning. It's going to be exciting. Listen, we'll set a section aside where you don't have to talk to anybody. But we're going to, we're going to celebrate together. Amen? So you got to be here next Sunday. Bring your unsaved friends, your unsaved uh, loved ones, and your unsaved hated ones. And hopefully you won't hate them by the end of it. It's going to be exciting. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 says this. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. Let me translate the quarter of the uh, cab of seed pods. It's dove's dung. That's what that literal translation is. For five shekels of silver. As the king of Israel was passing by in the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my Lord. I'm not going to go into that part because I want to get into the main part. But I want you to hear this. They were so desperate that they were offering their children up, not for sacrifice to God's, but in their mind to survive. They were eating their own children. That's how desperate of a situation it had become. That they were willing to eat dove's dung and pay for it because they were desperate to not starve to death. And and we're pretty sure that many had already starved to death at this point. That's how desperate of a situation it was. Now go down to chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Elisha replied. He was talking to the king and others about what was about to happen. He said, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. So about 24 hours from now, a seah of the finest flour will sell for a shekel. Now remember, Dove's dung was selling for, four, for five shekels of silver. Now he says... Basically, a whole bag of flour is going to sell for about a shekel and two say is barley, two bags of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open up the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? And he said, you will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Let's pray. Father God, we want to eat <laughs> of your bread. God, we want to partake of the goodness of God that you have before us. But there are many who have rejected it. God, and there are many who yet have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good. God, so we want to go out. We want to be sowers. We want to be sowers this week. God, equip us for what you have for us through your word in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Look at somebody and say, you better buckle up. Go ahead. You better buckle up. It's going to be fun. So we see here this desperate situation. And, and there's much that, that man, in that, those passages is powerful. I've preached on this before and, and, and talked about Samaria and all of that. But, but I want to focus on four characters in this important story and how they teach us some lessons. So I want to give you some lessons from lepers. Look at verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. But if they kill us, what? We die. I mean, basically they're saying we got one out of four chance. We got a 25% survival rate of this thing before our leprosy kills us, right? Now, leprosy always didn't kill the individual right up front. It was a slow very long and painful situation. In fact, many lepers died because of lack of interaction with their loved ones more than they died from the leprosy. How many of you know today, unfortunately, in our country, there's many of our elderly that are passing away in, in homes, not because of corona, but because they haven't had any interaction with their loved ones in months. Do you know that children who are not treated well in orphanages, in some orphanages around the world, and I pray that this doesn't happen anymore, but I know it does, that they'll, they'll stay for days and days in a crib, and then they'll just die. In many orphanages around the world, you can go into the orphanage, and you can go into the baby room, and there's no sound coming from the baby room. Why? because their cries were not met when they were, when they were just a few days old, so they've stopped crying. It's silent. Praise God for babies that cry. Some of you are like, I'm not sure if I can say amen to that. <laughs> Praise God for babies who cry. Listen, we have an epidemic among us. We have, uh, we have people among us today that have stopped even crying out because their cries have been not answered. But the Lord sees them. I said the Lord sees them. And he wants us to reach out to them. And he wants to reach out to them, according to Acts 17. Now, these guys were desperate. But I want to remind you of what the, what the leader that was leaning on the king's arm said. Even if the Lord should open up the heavens, how can this happen, prophet? How could this happen? And he said, it will happen because the Lord said it will happen, but you won't be a part of it. That leader was blind to what the Lord could do. He'd see the miracle, but not participate in it. This is a cautionary tale, not just to leaders, but to everyone in the church. We've been talking about the end times and we've been talking about that there is a great revival that is coming to America, I believe. I believe that there's a great revival around the world that's happening. But now there's even a great revival among the Muslims of the world. It's incredible. I believe that there is a great revival that's about to hit Lebanon. Why? Because they're in a desperate situation. And there's a great revival that's coming to America. I believe that. But some won't participate in it. Lord, increase our ability to see through the eyes of faith rather than the glasses of fear. Now let's get in back to these lepers. Who were they? They were outcasts of society. Why were they outside the city during this famine? Because that was what you did with lepers in the day. You set them aside. Why? Because they believed it was so highly contagious that they didn't want to get near them. Masks weren't good enough for them. Six feet was not good enough for them. They said that we can't even talk to them. We've got to be a, away from them. Do you know what I mean? People are feeling like outcasts today, spiritually and physically. And they're outside the city gates. They're outside there. And they're saying, we, we don't know what we can do. There, there's nothing we can do. If we go back to the city, we die. If we, if we, if we stay here, we're going to starve to death. But maybe, perhaps, there's one option. You see, desperate times requires desperate faith. I said desperate times require desperate faith. You may not think it's a desperate time. (laughs) I hope that I've convinced you over the last couple of weeks. We're in a desperate time. And it's going to require a desperate faith. It's going to require a perhaps faith. Perhaps if we go in to the camp of the Armenians, we may Live. Here's something you need to know about these people, these four lepers. They had a will to live. They had a will to live. I mean, they could have sat out there and said, well, we ain't got no hope. But that's not what they did. They said, we've got to figure out a way to live. Even if it's for a short time, we want to live before we die. We've got to live before we die. Listen, if you're not willing to live anymore, if you're looking at yourself and say, well, I did all my living when I was in my 20s, what hope do you have? How many of you know if you're still breathing, God still has a plan for your life? He's still got a purpose for you. We've got to get that will to live. We've got to get that perhaps faith and say, it's time that we we head out. What have we got to lose? You see, they didn't know. They were about to change the course of a nation. They just knew that there was a possibility of more. We have the same choice. We can go back to our old ways, our past. Guess what? You'll die there in your past. Hello? You can die in... Your past, well, the good old days, this was happening, that was happening. And you can sit there and you can look at your photo books and there's no problem with that. But you can sit there and look at your photo books and say how good it was back then. And you can die there. If we stay where we're at and do nothing different, guess what? We're going to die there. I personally believe that life is not like a concrete walkway. It's a moving walkway like you see in the airports. That's life. If you try to stand still, you're going to go backwards. I'm not talking about rest and I'm not talking about resting in the Lord. That's actually moving yourself forward. But what I'm talking about is if you don't do anything differently, you're going to die there. If you keep trying to use that same Windows 7 computer, come on, somebody, it's going to die on you eventually. You've got to change. You've got to upgrade to a Mac or something that's going to do you some good, okay? I mean, it, you, you have to say, we got to move forward or we'll die. If we march forward into the enemy's camp, perhaps we'll live. You say, I don't like those people at Chop and Chad. McCobe said, I don't care. Kobe and I haven't talked about that moment when he decided to say that Caitlin said, yes, go for it. I don't know. Maybe she was like, well, hold on now. I've watched the news, right? I don't know if Maccoby was like, yes, I'm all in. or Are you sure, God? I don't know. But I know in those moments we all have a choice. Everybody say you got a choice. Look at your neighbor and say you got a choice. And we've got a choice today to say, God, I want to move forward in you. And perhaps, what if, well, pastor, what if only one person gets saved? I mean, they had 30 people get saved in Winchester, 30 people in Seattle or in uh, Nashville. What, what, what if only one person gets saved? How many know one person can change the world? Who was it, a, a shoe guy who introduced Billy Graham to the Lord? Put him over the edge. Guy who did shoes. Said, what if I share with this one guy? He looks like a scrawny guy. But what if I share the Christ with him? What if David Wilkerson had been satisfied to stay in Dutch Pennsylvania instead of going to downtown New York City after he saw the news of the gangs in New York City. And this country boy decides, I am going to go and just see what God will do. And he started a worldwide ministry called Teen Challenge out of that. They made a movie about it that's still impacting lives today. Millions of people have been delivered from drugs and alcohol and sex addictions, and gang warfare, and all of that. Why? Because one country boy said, what if I could make a difference in one of those kids' lives on television? What if? I'm not asking you to say, man, I believe that millions of people are going to get saved in DFW this week. But what if one? What if I make a difference in one? Jesus didn't say it took a mountain of faith to move a mountain. He said, it takes a mustard seed of faith. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Do we want to see change in our community? I'm glad for the three of you. I'll take that mustard seed. Do we want to see change in our community? Do we want to see change in our nation? What about your own life? Can you at least say, there's some things I'd like to see changed in my own life, in my own family, in this church. Then it's time to get that perhaps faith and say, perhaps. Secondly, I want you to see the unity of the lepers. They were united in their resolve. They said, they looked at, I don't know who said it, I don't know who the spokesman was, but one of them said, let us. They weren't talking about their BLT. They were talking about, let us go over to the camp of the enemy. On the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. The Holy Spirit is the one who unites us. Let us go together. What did they find when they got there? Look at verse 5 of 2 Kings 7. It says, At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and they fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys, and they left the camp as it was, and they ran for their lives. Let me tell you something. God goes before us. God goes before people of faith. He's already been where he's leading you to. I said he's already been where he's leading you to. Not only does he walk beside you, but he goes before you. And it said in verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and what did they do? They ate and they drank. (laughs) They were hungry. They started taking their fill. Then it says, then they took silver, gold, and clothes, and I, I love this, and they went off and they hid them. There's one picture I saw on the Internet. There's not a lot actually about this story, but there's one picture I saw that somebody uh, uh, painted of literally the the lepers digging holes in the ground away from the tents, throwing the silver and gold in it. Isn't that human nature? Listen, these guys have been outcasts. these. We don't know what they were or who they were before this. We don't know what kind of artisans they were or if they were government officials. We don't know what businesses they owned. We don't know anything about them. But if they were four healthy men before the leprosy, then they were working. They were making a living. Now they had nothing. They were beggars. And all of a sudden, in literally one choice, they were rich. And they thought, we got to hide it. We don't want somebody else coming and finding this. And if they do come, then at least we'll have some. Isn't that the way of humans? Get all you can and can all you get, right? And that's what we got to do. We got to hold it and hoard it. I mean, they went from famine to feasting, from failure to fortune in an hour. And they wanted to hide it for themselves. How many of you know when we came to Christ, we hit it big time? We hit the big time salvation healing restoration deliverance love joy peace is yours. I mean you've got heaven as an inheritance You've got a home and whether it'll be a physical mansion or you'll be in God's mansion Whichever translation you want to go with it's going to be much better than anything Bill gates has ever dreamed up that anybody has ever thought of that any mansion that any. I mean, it's going to be amazing That's yours Look at somebody and say, you hit it big time. Yeah, you did. Some of you are thinking, yeah, with me, right? No, no, (laughs) with Jesus. I heard what some of you said, (laughs) especially over here. I'm telling you, I, I know what you say. No, messing with you. In Christ, we went from orphan to sonship. We went from the slums to the palace. We went from slavery to Freedom. But what do many believers do in this time? They want to hoard it. And they forget to share it. Joseph told me one testimony about a young man who came to Christ, got delivered, and immediately started hitting the streets. And then when he came home for Emily's graduation and went back, he, they want, he wanted to follow him into Nashville. Didn't he follow you to Nashville? And he was hitting the streets. He, and he said during that time, that little week off, he was asking people at the church, I want to keep going out. That's the way we should all be. We should realize what God has given us. We want to share. Can I just share this with you? If you don't feel like what God has given you is worth sharing, then you don't have what God has given you. Whew. If what you have is not worth sharing, then you don't have what, what I found. <laughs> he's worth sharing, he's worth sharing. Mm. Thirdly, I see something in these lepers that, yes, they started to hide at first, but then something came upon them. It was the duty of the lepers. Look at verse 9. Then they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of, and what's the words they used? Good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. They were willing to proclaim the good news. The lepers could have lived and let everyone else die. Think about it. No one was going outside the city. The lepers could have happily lived for the next year or two years on the provision that was before them. And let everybody in the city die, and then they could have had their own city. But they were convicted. They were convicted in their heart and said, it's not good that we do this. This is not right. We've got to proclaim the good news, even to people who rejected us before. Some of you have family members and you have friends that have said, I don't want to hear about this gospel thing anymore. Or whether they've said that or not, you think that they've said that in your mind, in your heart. And the Lord is saying, share it one more time. Share it again. The fact is that inside the city was death and outside the city was life. Jesus was crucified outside the city walls. His death gave us life. Think about this too. The people in the city, they were starving with food in reach. and we look at a place like the Metroplex or Oklahoma City or some of these southern cities that we call the quote-unquote Bible Belt, and we think everybody's heard. Can I tell you everybody hasn't heard? There's 7.5 million people in this city. When you combine Dallas and Fort Worth, 7.5 million people. It's larger than Houston. When you combine these cities, it's larger than most of the cities in America. It's a massive city millions of people, and we say, oh, but, but Pastor, it's okay. We've got some of the biggest churches in America. You see, we've got 4,500 churches in DFW. And we look at that, and, we, and man, that's a staggering number, 4,500. Can I tell you if tomorrow revival hits DFW, and every single church, which the average church in DFW is less than 100, just like us. Average church, that's averaging in Gateway, that's averaging in T.D. Jakes, that's averaging in Uh, Ed Young Jr., that's averaging in all these massive churches. Still 100. If every church tomorrow had a massive revival and next Sunday a 1,000 people showed up in every church, we'd still be missing 3 million people in the Metroplex. Think about it. Don't tell me that the work is done. There are hundreds of thousands of people pouring in to our community that are starving and food is within reach. It's time to take them the food. It's time to take them the gospel. (sighs) Charles Spurgeon said this, Will the heathen who have never heard the gospel be saved It is more a question with me whether we who have the gospel and fail to give it to those who have not can be saved. It's a question of we who have the gospel and fail to give it to those who have not, can we be saved? I'll leave that with you. Let's go to verse 10. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Armenian camp, and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents just left as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news, and it was reported within the palace. The lepers proclaimed that good news. But then we come to the fourth lesson of these lepers. They faced doubt in the city. How many of you know desperation will lead you to either doubt and fear or faith and trust. Think about it. You get bad news. It either drives people to doubt and fear or faith and trust. Either people call out on the Lord or call out the Lord. Why did you do this to me? Or God, here I am in your hands. And that's where the city was. We have to be ready to give them an answer, whichever response they give us. So they send out these five soldiers. They find out that literally what they were saying was true. In fact, they went further than the four lepers went. They went down the road, and they found clothes strewn about on the road, as as the Bible says, as they went in their headlong pursuit out of the city or out of their towns, out of their camp. Their headlong flight, Scripture says. So they come back, and they reported what the lepers have said is true. And the Bible says in verse, where is it? Sixteen. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Armenians. So a saea of the finest flour sold for a shekel, and two sayas of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. How many of you know that that servant that was on the king? He was assigned to the gate when they opened up the gate, and he was trampled to death. He saw it from afar, but he didn't partake of it. But the city was saved. The prophet's word came true. Four lepers didn't keep it to themselves, but they proclaimed the good news to the city. The great commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed, Hudson Taylor. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. We know that God loves all people. But God didn't just love people from heaven. He sent his only son. He became the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. The word dwelt among us so that we could know him. Now it's time for us to proclaim it. People are starving today within reach of the bread of life. And yet there is no shortage of bread in him. There's enough salvation for everyone. There's enough healing for everyone. There's enough deliverance for everyone. And how many of you know there's heaven is big enough for everyone? Heaven is huge. There's not going to be any land hoarding in heaven. God's going to say the universe. Here it is. I like what C.T. Studd said. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish I could run a rescue mission within a yard of the gates of hell. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of the gates of hell. I'm going to tell you something. You're about to come face to face with passionate lovers of God and passionate lovers of people this week when you meet these evangelists coming. One of the reasons that They're here. One of the reasons that they're here in DFW, that they were in Winchester in Nashville, one of the reasons that they're planning on going to Oklahoma City and they're planning on many of these outreaches that they're going to continue to do. They're already planning for 2021. People are starting to call and say, hey, I hear what you're doing. We'd like to have you guys come in. One of the reasons they're doing that is because of a desperate time. Did you know that? Because officially they were supposed to be in Africa. In May. That was the final part of their graduation. They were supposed to go to Africa, then come home and graduate. That was one of the graduation requirements was to go to Africa to be a part of a mass crusade for three weeks and see God move. But then some little stupid thing happened. Messed all of our plans up. How many know God laughs at our plans? And there are some who let the plans get to them